0: I uh, have prepared something very, very um, true to my heart tonight, and obviously we're up here, and I think God has us here for a specific reason, right? Nothing happens by chance or coincidence. And I was putting this together, and I thought, seriously, thought to myself, if no one else here needs to hear what I'm going to preach, I know I need to hear it. And so, if I, I always say this, if I say you, 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 it's only because God is in preparation to this, has struck my heart and said, Kyle, this is this is where you need to work in these areas. And every message or lesson that I've taught, God really has taken the time and taught it to me first or preached it to me first. And so if I say you up here, I really mean myself as well, included in that. But if you want to turn to your Bibles, to John, John chapter 4, and if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. That's what we'll start tonight. We're going to be preaching on the sermon of rough roads. There's five different roads, different pathways that are mentioned in the Bible And there's difficulties in each one. And we're going to discover why God would have us go down certain roads and in certain ways, even though it's not pleasant. If you look down your Bible in John chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, the Bible says this. This is talking about Christ. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for giving this opportunity to preach. Everything you've taught me in my life and in private, help it to be brought to the light here now. I deeply love you so much, and I want nothing more to honor and glorify you. So if you could uh, protect my words and help me only say what would edify and glorify you at this time, and help someone here to learn one thing off this message. That would be a success. And we thank you so much. And if someone is watching on YouTube, is understanding my voice, who doesn't know you as their personal savior, I pray that person would get saved and get that straightened out with you. We love you so much. Please be here with the time we have together right now. In your name I pray. Amen. It has been said that there is an easy way to do something, or even the hard way. We sometimes say to our children, you're going to have to learn that the hard way. And for me, I know that was the best way for me to learn to learn something. Uh, You could tell me, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, and I'm very stubborn, I'm just going to go ahead and do it until something fails and I have to learn the lesson the hard way. And many times in our Christian lives, we're faced with difficulties, dangers, defeat, and sometimes we're not in sin, we're doing everything we can for God, and yet we are still facing trials. It's just a part of life. And we ask ourselves, and I ask myself, you know, how could this be? I'm doing everything right, but there's still trials happening. This is so bizarre, especially early on in your Christian life. You wonder, God, what's going on here? I'm doing everything I can to serve you. And then other times, we bring it on ourselves. And yet God will still use these rough roads, these rough times, for his glory. And tonight, like I said before, we're going to look at several different roads. There's five of them. And see how God uses them to impact our life for the better. The first road we're going to look at is the road to Samaria, where we read there in John 4, the road to Samaria. And that's the road that really shows us to help others, to help others. We see here that Jesus, this is the woman at the well chapter, where Jesus goes and he, helps, and he tells the woman at the well that he is the living waters of life. And he goes to her and, he, and that wonderful story happens. But before that story even takes place, you find there, if you look at John 4, in verse five, or really verse four, the Bible says, and he must needs go through Samaria. And we know from studying the Bible that wasn't a typical way that the Jews would have gone; they would have avoided that area. But he felt in himself to go through this certain area. If you look down at verse six, this really hits home with me, knowing that this is how Jesus felt on his journey here and on this road. The Bible says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well. I can't imagine uh, Christ being weary, but he was 100% man and 100% God. And him on this road, he knew he was going to be weary. He knew he was going to be tired going down this path, and yet he still did that. He intentionally goes to this place. He exerted his own energy and his own time. And a lot of times when we face trials in life and wonder, why is this happening to me? And like I said before, I'm like, come on, I'm a good Christian, you know, I tithe, right? I'm serving in the nursery maybe, I'm trying to be the best father I can be, you know, helping out in children's ministries, I'm trying to do all I can. And we say these things, and I was putting this sermon together, and, and the Lord really smote my heart. And he said, he really said to me, we say these things in hopes of bartering with God, as if my goodness can accomplish anything. We don't believe that for salvation, right? our goodness can get us to heaven. But something happens in the Christian walk where we feel like my goodness can take me away from trials. My goodness can, oh God, I you know, I went out soul winning this Saturday, so I'm not going to get a flat tire this week. And I I know it doesn't work like that, but you feel like in the moment it should work like that and it should go that way. And it's really interesting that I don't know what happens from salvation to run, to living the Christian life where something happens there that we believe certain things, you know, salvation is grace through faith. But then our Christian walk, we we want to say that, oh, I can, hey Lord, look at me, I'm doing good. Don't you know, don't give me any punishments here. But the truth is, they're part of life, and we we can't accomplish anything on our own. And a slight, and we, and this is something that I have really uh, tried to learn. God's really tried teaching me that a slight detour in the direction of a trial. For just a little bit can mean a completely different destination in the direction of the better for somebody else. Right? If I just, you know, Lord puts on my heart, hey, you know, at the gas pump, the old gas pump illustration, right? Oh, you should go witness that person. You should go give them a gospel track. You should tell them about Christ. Something as small as that, a little detour. A lot of times I'll say, I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm not going to do that. Right? We've all had it happen to us. The Lord pricks our heart and we kind of brush him off. And that small detour can change someone else's eternal destination forever. And I really think about this every single time. I uh, really, I, I, have, I need my, my car needs a tow. Driving a lot of used cars around, I've had a couple. Uh, had to get my car towed probably once a year. I'd say in the past handful of years, I've had to get some car towed. My wife's car had to get towed last uh, summer, and so we're coming up on that one-year mark. So pray for me. I, I got AAA though, right? I pay for that because I know every year it's coming. Um, so, but seriously though, every time a car breaks down and something—it's usually something small—I can cover it, you know, quickly. I always think about the tow truck driver in there and how that slight detour that God's saying, "Hey, this guy might need the gospel, and who else is going to give it to him? You need to go and talk to him." And that's really how I look at those situations when things out of the ordinary happen. I really do believe that God is up to something extraordinary, and it really, I really—I start thinking that way a lot of times how these slight detours of a direction of a trial or mishap can benefit someone so, so much more greatly. And I'll be real with everyone here, and I'm actually really glad that this is more of a tender environment um, for everybody here. To share my heart with you, the past several years of my life really haven't gone the way that I expected them to. And I was putting this together, and I was like, well, who really whose life really goes as they expect it to, right? We call look back at our lives and say, well, I wanted to this, this, and that, and well, it almost never works out like that because God's ways are higher than ours. And they really, some of the past couple years, have been almost the most trying time in my life. I've had to deal with a lot of difficulties, a lot of things that I just um, didn't want to have to deal with. and This life hasn't gone the way that I would have liked it to go. And there's really been days that I was so mad at God, I just didn't want to talk to him, and he had to put, and he had to put up with me being a grumpy child. And, I, and, I'll be, and at times I'll go, well, I don't even know why God wants to still, still be my father. I don't know why he wants to talk with me. But I do know one thing. The life lessons through that, I've learned, have been invaluable. And through this, this process, through these small detours in life, God has been molding and molding and molding me into his image. And I've been humbled over and over and over again because as soon as I feel like I learned something new, I'm like, all right, God, I, I got to this now, and I learned the lesson you want. It's like back down I go, and I'm learning another lesson, right? And I kept that molding and molding. And of course, I'm still not perfect today, and I have a very long way to go, but I know I can help so many more people after that. all those detours have taken place. I, I don't know if I was arrogant any time, but I think in a way I thought I was better than I was. Right? Oh, look at me. This is what I'm doing in life. And God really brought me low, and so I can, one of the reasons I know is so I never look at somebody else, no matter if it's, in, you know, someone in Greenwich, Connecticut, or the streets of Bridgeport. Right? I'll never look down on that person because I've been at times low, maybe not as low as them, but in my own personal life, very, very humbled. And I know it just takes one fellow swoop from God to change my life drastically, flip it upside down, and I can be just like the worst person, beggar you see on the streets. Really, I really, I say that up here, right? It, it's it's a reality. I've seen it happen to people. One bad decision can lead to another. Before you know it, a couple months go by, and you're like, where'd this person go? Wow, well now they're they're off at some home or they're in rehab. It really, it, it happens that quickly. And my perspective in life has changed so sm- so much. All of these small detours, and hopefully it helped me to reach other people for Christ. Hopefully in the future, if I'm counseling somebody, right? I can say, I don't know exactly what that's like, but I know I've been in a similar situation in my life. And I really hope, and my prayer is, as we continue to go through this message, that if you're in that same position that I was in, whether in this room or listening online, that you'll see that it's for a reason and a good one at that. And my hope is that you'll go from me being all grumpy and mad at God to thanking him for the hardships so you could be presented to Christ someday having something to give him instead of just being there with your salvation, you'll say, well, I was able to counsel this person. I was able to give a gospel tract to this person. All because those hardships came in my life. They molded me and they made me to the person that Christ wanted me to be. And so we see here that Jesus on the road to Samaria, he knew it was going, he was going to be wearied from this journey. He knew he was going to have to go down this path and it was going to take some out of him. He knew that was going to happen. And that road, the road to Samaria, we see here in the Bible, is that road to help others. He was able to help that woman at the well out. He was able to give her the gospel. And her life was drastically changed. And that brings us to the second road, the road out of Egypt. And this is the road to help us out in our own personal lives. If you, look at, if you go to Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18, very, very interesting. The first time I saw this, I was in Bible college. And I thought about this quite often when I am just living life and something goes awry or something doesn't go the way I want it to. I think about these verses here, and it's really um, peculiar. I don't know if, I'm sure there's commentaries and people know, can read into this verse more than I can. But really on the surface level, it really amazes me, the decision that God made for the Israelites here. So in Exodus 13, 17 through 18, if you look down, The Bible says this. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the, the, the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So we see there, if you look back in verse 17, there's a phrase that says, That God led, in the middle of the passage, in the middle of verse 17, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. That that phrase, although that was near, really stuck with me because God brought them on a more difficult, a rougher road than maybe he had to. He didn't want them to repent and turn back to war and turn back to Egypt. There was a different way, we see here, that they could have left. There was a different path and it it was a closer path. But God knew that wasn't the best for them. And God will bring us down a longer road to teach us lessons. And it's really to build character and strength for future trials. The red, And if you think about this, the Red Sea crossing only happened because God needed to show the children of Israel a miracle. There there's other reasons and different things, but there was this way that was near, and he showed them this miracle. And I can't imagine, let's say, the Lord had taken them across this other path, what it would have been like in the Bible. Because I don't know if the Red Sea crossing you know, had to happen, right? There's a different way that it could have went. God decides to have Moses lead the children of Israel out through a longer road and a longer way. And it's in that way, it's in that pathway that we have, the whole, most of the Bible looks back to this event, most of the Old Testament looks back to the, this Red Sea crossing. The Israelites and their culture and everything, they look back and say, look what God has done for us. Reading the different books, look, this is what God has done for us, this is what he has done for us. And can you imagine the Bible had that not happened, would they be looking back to if it was just, "Oh well, they just went this way through here and there was war I and mean, they were able to avoid it or something of that nature? I think about that uh, very diligently, and it's very um, hard and, and convicting thought how many of us never see a great miracle are never able to give a testimony of what God did for us at all because we wouldn't allow him to take us in that detour. We wouldn't allow him to take us into a different uh, way. And we were trying and asking God to prevent a trial from happening in our life. And now God doesn't want to hurt us, but if we allow him to give us a small paper cut every now and then, the testimonies and miracles that would come pouring in would be overwhelming. And I truly believe that God is more, isn't more active in our lives today because we don't allow him to be. We don't allow him to be there for us in that way. And it doesn't happen. It's very, very, very um, interesting as well that we compare trials in the Christian life to valleys and mountains, or to, to valleys to um, trials and mountaintops to, to getting there and, and conquering and being victorious. And I started thinking about this, and actually, kind of a, not a funny thing, but this week I saw in the news that the first, I think it was double amputee person had made it to the top of Mount Everest, right? That's right. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty amazing. You know, I didn't have any legs and he was able to, I don't know if he had false legs or whatever, I just saw the, the headline. He was able to get to the top of Mount Everest. And he started to think, you know, what's required to get to the top of Mount Everest? Well, you need food, you need cl- a lot of clothing because it gets cold up there. You need water, shelter. There's different base camps and different things. You can't just go, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. Like, I'm just going to go up there to Mount Everest, right? That's not going to happen. So much needs to be involved. And going there, and of course, you need oxygen because the air gets so thin you can't breathe up there anymore. And it's really, and you start to think about all that goes into reaching this mountaintop, right? The, the greatest mountain in the world, the tallest one, and everyone, so that's like every great climber's bucket list. I want to get top of Mount Everest. People prepare for years and years, do these expeditions, and some people die trying to get to the top. That's how you know, bad they want it. And in the Christian life, we compare these mountaintops to these victories, but we, but in the valley, that's where the water is, that's where all the vegetation is, that's where the grass is, that's where the fruitfulness really is in life. You'll see animals, you'll see flies, you'll see frogs, tadpoles, all these different things you find in the in the valleys. And it's it's so interesting how we look at that as a bad thing in our Christian walk. Oh, we're going through this valley. It's, we look at it as such a bad thing. But the truth of the matter is, in our own life, in our Christian life, the most fruitful time that we have is when we're going through a valley. You think about you're on the mountaintop, you're feeling good, you have a surplus account, uh, money in your bank account, right? You're going through things, and you're, you're accomplishing things, you're leading people to Christ, and everything's going well. Your car, you have a brand new car, let's say, or a car that's really reliable. It's so much harder. I've been positioned similar to that. It's really harder to go out and do something for Christ because you're so comfortable and you're so cozy in that life. And you're so cozy with that. But when God takes you through a valley, you're, I feel like almost, are, and this is not a the best idea, but I almost feel like, well, I need to do something so God will take me out of this, right? I'm in this valley for a reason because I wasn't listening to God. We look at it with such a bad connotation, when in reality, we really should look at it like, wow, God has me in this valley to learn a lesson, but to really be fruitful. This is where God's going to show me the vegetation of the Christian life. This is where God's going to, the rivers of water are flowing. This is where I don't need, you know, oxygen to breathe. This is where I don't need clothing. This is Mountaintops are great really only for the view. You can look around and you can see the valleys. You can see the vegetation. You can see everything that's going on when you're on a mountaintop. That's how it is in a Christian life. When you're on that mountaintop, you can see everything that God has done for you. You can see the value of trials. You can see the fruitfulness of the valley when you're up there and you're on top of the mountain. And it's not until you take a step back from that trial you're in that you go, Oh, I know the purpose for that. Oh, so I could talk to this person about Christ. Oh, so I could lead this person to Christ, and so on and so forth. And God's really working on me still that we need to not look at valleys as such a bad thing and start looking at them with really more vigor. And we need to start looking at them with this expectation that this is adding to my Christian life and not taking away. We all want to be in a, a position and a place where there's no worry, there's no Heartache, and there's no hardships at all. But the truth is, the only place that's going to happen is heaven. Heaven is the only place in this universe without hardships, without trials, without strife, without any bad thing happening to us. And when we learn that lesson and we get there, and we, we start living that way, the low points in our life really don't seem that low anymore. It just seems, alright, oh, this is part of life. You know, God's still with me, He's not angry at me. Uh, and a lot of times I'll think that, right? I'm sure you guys are similar to me, right? You think that, oh, I'm in this terrible spot because God hates me. And that's something I had to get over as well. This idea that, oh, God doesn't like me and so that's why I'm going through this valley. I don't know why I think that. I don't know why that happens to me. Uh, and and I've really tried working with the Lord and whether it's the Lord talking to me or something else, just trying, my flesh trying to keep me away from God. Uh, I know Pastor Lejeune has said this, when trials and tough times come, into a Christian's life, they get away from church. But when something happens to the world, they go to church. And it's really interesting how that happens. Um, we have to, again, just look at these valleys in life that God is molding, and there's a specific reason. Whether first, right, is to help others out, but really to help ourselves out, because now we see these miracles that God has done. Uh, there's so many uh, things that in different nuances in my life I can look back on, and I can say, oh, God was using this for, for this glory, and oh, he did this, and, and really, without the hardships, you don't have any miracles. Everyone wants to say, oh, God did something great for me, oh, there's a great miracle that happened. Everyone, lo- I mean, I love having those stories of, wow, God came through for me, but the truth is, if everything is always going well in your life, then you'll never need God to come through for you. And all these great stories you hear with, I know missionaries and overseas saying that, oh, we need an X amount of money, or we need the government to allow us into this country, and we needed this to happen, and God put them in a, in a harsh spot just so they can praise the Lord. And a lot of times, that's not what he really wants, right? He just wants us to praise him. But without any trial, without any tribulation, our life is always good, and there's never any miracles. There's never anything great that's going to happen, And the Lord has really had to work on me with that and really had to to mold me. And I think about that convicting thought of how many times have I asked God to prevent something bad from happening for me, but maybe someone would have been reached with the gospel. Maybe a relationship would have been mended. Maybe someone's life could have been changed. But I was talking to the Lord, and I was saying, hey, I don't want this to happen to me because it's going to inconvenience me. It's going to take me somewhere that I don't want to be. When in reality, God's saying, Kyle, if you just let this happen to you, there's someone on that path, there's someone on that roadway that really could use your help. So why don't you allow this to happen to you just for a little bit? It's just a small little thing that's going to happen in your life on the course of eternity. And I'm going to use it for great glory. I'm going to use it for my glory. I wonder how many divine appointments, how many different things in life of that nature that I just have blatantly missed because I wasn't walking with God and I was asking him to prevent something from happening to me. It's a very, very convicting thought because I think it's happened a lot more than I would have liked it to. And how many times I wasn't walking in the spirit and I wasn't properly asking God, not maybe necessarily for what I wanted but for what he wanted and where he was going to guide and direct me in life. And because of that, I may have missed out on talking to someone that could really use his help. And just a world that the place just the place that this world would be if we all took the time to pray and instead of saying, hey, Lord, prevent this from happening to me. And we changed our focus to saying, Lord, th- this is happening to me. Can you teach me why this is happening? Is it to help somebody else out? Is it to show me a lesson so that in life I can look back to this certain time in this certain place and say, all right, Lord, I saw your help there. There was, in the 1980s, a very prolific basketball coach for North Carolina State called Jim Valvano. I don't know if anyone here knows who this guy is, but he had this ragtag uh, basketball team and they were doing, you know, they were buzzer beater after buzzer beater right in the last second of the game. They always score the winning shot and they went all the way to the final four and they ended up winning the college championship, right? And 10 years after he's doing this great run, he's a coach and all of that, I think it was about 1992, he ended up being diagnosed with cancer and he set up uh, a research foundation for cancer, uh, the, G- the Jimmy V Fund, and I think it was um, February or March, in that neighborhood, maybe it was January, in that neighborhood of, uh I think it was 92, 93, and he has this really famous uh, speech at the ESPYs, which are the, the awards for all the sports of the year, and it's this honoring thing. And he got up there and gave this really great speech, and all the... And after this speech, I think it was 55 days after that speech, cancer took his life. And his life got cut short. And he has helped when he was dying of cancer. He was probably one of the most positive people. And I don't know if he was saved or not. But if you see his interviews, right, And I, I don't know if that's really how he was day to day. I assume it was from talking, looking at different things and talking with him. But you think about his story and other people's stories that have passed on from cancer and, and the amount of research money has been poured into that because in their memory someone set up a foundation or because in their memory. And I, I look at different people um, in the church as a whole that have similar stories that I can look to and say, wow, if I ever go through what they had to go through, a close relative death, a cancer, you know, different things and different trials that I have seen, I look at that and I go, hopefully I can handle it the way that they did. And I look at that and say, Lord, you having them go through that so that Someday, if I have to go through that, I can see their walk with you. I can see what they went through. And hopefully, I can use that to propel myself through the, that trial that I will face. And a lot of times, we don't see that. I, you know, No one in here knows if I've ever looked at, at them with that um, admire and saying, wow, you really handled that in such a, a Christian way. Wow, you really handled that in such a, a wonderful way. But I have and I do uh, with different people um, at our church. And it just takes you going through a trial to help others out, to help yourself out, and to have these victorious stories to say, wow, God was able to come through for, come through for, me, for me there. Of course he can come th- through for me this time. And this brings us to the third road here. This is the road of uh, of sin. And this is the road, the only road we'll mention here, that we really bring on ourselves. And this is a very popular uh, passage in Scripture here, but it's James chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. Uh, I probably could say this from memory. Um, Many in here probably can say it from memory too. But the Bible says this in James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Then when the lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. And we see this here that this road is one, one of them is, is the least pleasing road we'll talk about tonight. There are so many unnecessary hardships that we endure, not because God takes us down that path, but because we take that detour of sin ourselves. You know, on God's highway of life, we're saying, "Wow, this looks really good over here," and we take some unnecessary detour that takes longer to get to God's will because we're in sin, because we're choosing to not be with God and to not walk with him. And what ends up happening every single time that we do that is that we get lost and we end up having to be on that detour a little too long. And we miss time on that beautiful road that God wants us to be on. Um, I don't know... This is, this is kind of funny. My entire life, right, most of my adult driving life, I've had a GPS. I think there was like maybe a year or two, I wasn't that on my phone maybe because I didn't have the update or something like that. But my entire life, i had a GPS on my phone. If I want to go somewhere, I can find the most efficient way to get there. I can find the quickest time to get there, you know, a fuel-efficient way. There's all these things on our phone that can just get us there. And I try to put myself in, in someone else's shoes uh, you know, if you were driving, right, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, what it was like with, like, a road map. Like, I, I have no idea what that was like. It's kind of funny when you think about it. I have no clue what that was like at all. Uh, and there was probably a lot more detours then than there is now, You're trying, especially if you're trying to drive from here to Florida. Or even if you're just getting on, you know, all you need to get to 95. You start going through different cities, and there's all these junctions and all these things. Even though you're saying, well, I'm just going to stay on 95 to get there, well, I can go Orion, you you get off that path just for a, a mile or two, and you try you know, coming back to it, it just doesn't happen. Now, me, today, I could just you know, pull over to the side of the road, collect myself, and just hit reroute, and it'll get me there eventually. Uh, but I've never had to open up the map, and you know, I'm just like, well, where are you going, or anything like that. I really map out a route. I just hop in the car and, and hit go, and I'm I'm follow the path. As long as I'm on that blue line, right? You guys, Is it a blue line? For me, it's a blue line. As long as my little car is on that path, I'm, I know I'm going to get there. And uh, when we go on these detours of sin, we just end up missing. Like I said before, end up missing so, so much because that's not where God has us. And again, there's people on that road that God wants us to talk to But oh, we're off on this detour of sin, so we're never going to be able to talk to those people. And this is a a really funny story. I think about this um, as well. When I was coming, I was in Bible College in Michigan I was coming back home, and I and I'm driving, and it was like a 15, 16 hour drive, and I'm in this, I, I was in this car that I didn't have any heat, it was in winter, and it was cold, and I was freezing. I got all the way, I think I was three hours away in Phil, in, um, Pennsylvania, it was like three hours away. I could, I was like, alright, it's so only three more hours, I gotta be in this car, Now it was, I was probably five, six o'clock at night, so now it's pitch black, cause it's like December, right? It's like right around, probably the like darkest day of the year, right around December, 22nd, early December, right? It's like pitch black out. And it's, it's dark, and I had to get off, um, I think it was I-80, to get gas. And I remember I had to fill up my gas tank three-quarters of the way, because I didn't have any more money on me. That's all I had. And I was like, well, hopefully. I was, like, calculating my, in my head, and I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, if I'm getting this miles per gallon, and my GPS says there's X amount to get there, then I should be fine, and I should be good by, like, 50 miles, right? I'm, like, calculating this out. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be fine. I'll get there. And I ended up trying to get back to the highway, and now I didn't have, the the GPS is on our phone now, this is probably, this was 2000, uh, I think, 16 or 17, so I didn't have it on my phone for whatever reason, I didn't have GPS on my phone, I had like those old school, I say old school, right, those old school Garmin's that were on there, and that wasn't really as good as your phone, it was just kind of like a generic thing. And for some reason, I think I must have missed the entrance ramp or something of that nature, I could not find my way back onto the main highway. And I was stuck, and I was, like, terrified. Because, again, I did all those calculations, and I'm freezing cold. The car doesn't have any heat. And I'm, like, so, I, I get more and more nervous. The more I start seeing, like, the uh, odometer, and I'm like, wow, each mile is more and more. And I'm like, I calculated this out perfectly. I'll be fine to go with a three-quarters of, not even a full tank, a three-quarters of gas. And I'm hoping, okay, I'm, like, playing this guessing game. I think for, like, 15, 20 minutes, I'm, like, in the middle of nowhere, in these mountainous hilly spots, in the middle of dark. There's no street lights. It's a country uh, side. In the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, Lord, please get me back to the highway. Now, eventually, around here today, I wasn't like lost in like a ditch somewhere. Um, but I found my way back to the highway. And because I had to take that detour, now it was necessary for me to get gas, but the unnecessary part was me not getting to the highway right away. I really, thank God, I got home. I think I got to like New York City where I, I was driving through that. And I was like, oh, it, it, there's a sign that says like this way to North to New Haven. And I was like, yes, I'm home free. If something happens to me, like I know exactly where I am. And I was like, like man, i from heaven. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. Like I'll be able to get there. And, but I remember that. I had this unnecessary detour because I didn't follow the GPS. And I wasn't able to get there. And I just, I, I think about so often... The opportunities and everything that I've missed because I wasn't walking in the spirit, um, because I was on an unnecessary detour. Right? It would have been so much easier if, had I gotten right back onto the highway. That would have been awesome. I'd been, I wouldn't have, right? I wouldn't have anything to worry about. We've been right back on the highway. And I could have just took a straight shot I-80 to I think it's like 290, whatever, in, in New Jersey to get back up here to 95, and I would have been fine. But because I took, I missed my entrance ramp and I had to take this unnecessary detour. That is when. I didn't know where I was. That's where I didn't know what was going on. And when we live a life in sin, when we don't read our Bible and pray every day, and I know it sounds that almost sounds oh so redundant, and not just that, but really walking in the Spirit, really focusing on God, when we focus on sin and we just brush God off and say, hey, I'm not going to talk to you, hey, I'm not going to do anything with you today, and we do that, we miss out on so much. We go on these detours away from life, and there's so much that God wants us to see, and there's so much that God wants us to to do. And we miss that. Why? Because we're off on these detours somewhere in the mountains of Pennsylvania like me. And it's cold and it's dark. And it really was cold and dark for me that night. But in our Christian life, when when we are away from God, we are such a cold, dark person. I I can sense it within myself. I am a completely different person when I'm not walking with God. I know I'm so much more apt to get in fights with my wife right over that. I'm so much more inclined to just get away from the person that God wants me to be when I'm not walking with him. And I know I, I had said this before, how I was grumpy with God. And every time and I was putting this together and I just keep thinking, man, there's so much I must have missed out on because I wasn't walking with him. And I'd say this to you tonight. If you're on this road and you're on this detour, I really do ask you to ask God for directions on how to get back to the main highway he wants you to be on and that path he has for you. And no matter how far gone we think that we are or or how far away from God that you think you are, whether you're a Christian or whether you don't even know who Christ is, you've never heard the gospel before, no matter how far gone you are uh, into the world, God is always so quick to bring you right back onto the highway, his highway of life that he wants you to be on. You don't need to be on that detour. Unlike me, when I was stuck in Pennsylvania's mountains, I couldn't just, God couldn't just plop me Right back onto the highway, right? He could he could guide me there, but it wasn't like I just closed my eyes. I was I was really hoping that I was like, all right, in the middle of nowhere, I was really hoping, like, all right, Lord, please, I'm mean, just boom. And maybe miraculously, I'd be like on the highway without having to do anything. I, or I or I was really thinking, Lord, if I wanted to be home right now, you'd have me, after driving for like, you know 14, 15 hours that day, I could just open my eyes and boom, I'd be right in my front door. Like that would be great. Ever worked like that? But it doesn't work like that, right? I know God can do anything he wants to do, but he, he didn't do that and he has reasons for that, right? Uh, but unlike that, God can spiritually bring you right back. If you're willing to, ha- to ask God and to say, Lord, I'm so sick of being on this detour of sin. I'm so sick of these detours of life. And one detour leads to the next and the next. And before you know it, the path of light that God wants you to be on is over here. And you've taken so many different detours that you're all the way over here, and you don't even know how to even get back to the right path. If you honestly want to seek God, and all it takes is you know, three minutes one day to say, Lord, I'm really sorry that I haven't spent time with you. Lord, I haven't read my Bible. I know I should be over here, but I'm lost in these detours of sin all the way over here. And I really need you to bring me back to this place that is your will. Not just even his will, just like the Christian life, the Christian living, and living for him and doing those things that we know to be right. We need God to bring us over here. And it's happened in my life that all it takes, really, is just that one decision. And it's almost like, wow, we're right back on it and, it, and we may not be going you know, at the speed limit over here in God's will. We're just slowly puttering on, but at least we're on the right path. We may not be going as fast as we possibly can on that right path, but at least we're on the right road. And God so desperately, as much as I want to be right with God, God wants me to be right with him so much more. There's nothing that God loves more than when someone is away from him to finally say, Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to serve you again. And you could be away from God for a day, for a week, a month. It could be ten years. It doesn't matter. There's nothing that you can say, do, that will take you out of the love of God. He, he loves us so much. And I think about this, we talked about it a little bit in Brother Scarpetti's uh, life group class, um, God loves us. You know, when you get saved, even when you were born, when you were created, God loved you on that day more than he's going to ever love you. There's nothing I can do to gain more of God's love. And because he loves us in such an insurmountable way, there's nothing more I can do to gain more of God's favor. Like, I'm already the most loved by him I'm ever going to be in life. And that is such a... uh, a wonderful thing to think. I think it is, it's, it's amazing to think that, wow, so if, if I can't gain God's favor by doing good things, that means by doing bad things that God isn't going to love me any less, right? Because he always has loved me the most he'll ever love me. And this brings us to the second to last uh, road here. This is the, the, the Damascus road. And this is the road to help us wake up. This is Acts chapter 9 in verses 1 through 8. Again, very, very common passage in Scripture here. In Acts 9, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says this, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And then in verse 9 it says, And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat uh, eat or, or, or drink. And this is the this Damascus road. We see this with uh, Saul, who eventually became Paul. This is the road to help wake us up, to help wake us up. There are times, and I've found this, for whatever reason, in a Christian life, that we just coast and we are content with just sitting on the pew, giving our 10% in the offering plate. We come to church, we listen to a sermon, and we leave, and everything is very apathetic in our Christian walk. It's almost like having food without seasoning on it, right? You're like, "Oh, it gets the job done. It gives me nutrients that I need in life, but it doesn't really, eh, there is nothing really special about it. You're just kind of eating just because that's oh, it's bland or well, I'm just eating because I know I need food." I've been in situations like that, uh for sure, where you're just eating and it's like, "Well, that's eh, just good enough." And it, it it gets the nutrients, but it doesn't really taste that good. And we're okay with doing the bare minimum so that our conscience is cleansed. And we can live however we want regardless of how God wants to change us. And that's when, I've noticed in my life, he'll bring on a trial to really wake you up, to rattle your cage a little bit, so we become uncomfortable in hopes that, he will, that that uncomfortableness and that change of pace in our life will help us to return to him. And I'll say this as well. You may be sitting here, or probably maybe on YouTube, Facebook, listening to this, and maybe you're not believing in God or that Christ said who he is. And I promise you that God is trying to get a hold of you, and he may put a trial in your life to try and wake you up, to try and get you to see that, hey, look, like Jesus is the Christ. right? God is who he says he is. The Bible is the word of God. And God is trying to say that, trying to, say that to so many people today. And had God not brought this uh, trial, this incident, incident, the thorn of the flesh, all these things on Paul, as he wrote, as he wrote on his road, he may never have trusted in Christ, um, and God hurt him for such a brief moment so that Saul would, would eventually become Paul. and He would serve him for the rest of his life and write several books in the Bible. You think about how God knew, okay, he's going on this road, he's going to get knocked off, right? all these different things are going to happen, he's going to deal with a thorn in the flesh, all these different things are going to happen to him. God knew that was, he was going to hurt Saul in that way. And he allowed it to happen because he saw the end goal, of what he was going to happen in his life. Uh, there's so many different times in my life that that has happened. I remember when I was, um, I think I, I was about 16 years old. I was, you know, I was such a, I was like one of those punk kids, right? I was barely coming to church. I was barely doing anything uh, at all. And for whatever reason, I can't remember it now, I got really frustrated and upset and mad at my mom, and and different things happened, and, and I was really just angry. And I ended up leaving my house, and I ended up, you know, moving in with my girlfriend, Autumn at the time, and going through these this this trial of my life. And I was like, I'm going through this, and different things are happening. And some people say, well, how could God allow that hurt to happen to different people? How could God allow this hurt to happen? And I think it was two years from there that I was in Bible college. I think three years from there, I ended up marrying Autumn and... My mom now, I think she got baptized in October, and she's a faithful member here. And all these great things um, have happened since then. You say, Kyle, why didn't God allow that to happen? Or, or that, was a, that was a really rough trial. That was a rough road, right? And that really, I know in my personal life, it was to wake me up. Because I, really, I realized how hard my life was without uh, parents there, without nurturing a presence being there. I realized how tough on my own that life was. And and God purposely, I, I know this for 110% for a fact, the sole purpose for that was God brought me so low that my only option was to turn towards him. And I don't know if I'd be up here preaching today had that trial not happened. Because I was just doing what I wanted to do in life. I was going off doing whatever. And I, I got saved here at 10 years old, right? But I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in this church or anything like that. So I didn't know how to properly follow Christ. I, I didn't, I just It wasn't clicking with me where I was at, and it, it didn't happen. But because God brought this such severe trial into my life, and he allowed it to happen, he could prevent things from happening, but because of that, I, I, I had no option but to look towards him. And different things happened in my life through then, and great things um, have happened since then. But because God is willing to bring us and give us hurt for that in that moment, great, great things are able to come out of that. And that's how it is in our Christian life. <laughs> Like I've said this entire uh, sermon, and through everything here, we try and avoid these terrible things happening to us. We try and say, Lord, I don't want this to happen in my life. But he needs to sometimes, he really does need to wake us up. And a lot of times it does happen to those people that are, are far away from God. He does something to really rattle their cage. He does something, and again, it's happened to me. I've seen it happen to other people. I've seen it happen to people for restoration, right, so they can get restored back to God. I've seen it happen for salvation, when someone's lost in sin and they need to come back to God. And The only thing that's going to happen is if a harsh trial comes their way, their only option is to look up. And I, I remember talking to someone about this. He was talking to me about, well, I don't really believe in God. And, you know, how could God uh, be real if he's allowing this to happen? And I said to this person, I was like, hey, like, be careful. You keep saying that. God may have something, um, you know, big happen in your life, If you keep pushing them away, because I'm trying to give this person the gospel and I'm trying to really witness and share my heart to this person and trying to do the best that I can uh, for them. And I remember saying, hey, you have to get things set up with God. You have to trust in Christ and give them the gospel. And if you don't, God may bring something very severe uh, into your life. And it's something ended up happening in that person's life and they still haven't turned to God. Now, it's not... Every time we do something wrong, right? Oh, is God going to put this huge trial and he's going to, you know, hurt me so severely so I go back to him? That doesn't happen in every instance. It happens. I don't, I don't, I can't say when God's going to do it, right? Because his ways are so much higher than my ways and and his ways are the best ways no matter how hard and hurt it may seem. His ways will always be the best. But I do know this. There are, God knows the perfect time and the perfect punishment, the perfect trial, even the perfect victory, the perfect blessing to give you in that perfect time. And he knows the perfect, it's so amazing to me that God knows the perfect balance of all of those, uh, in life. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a sandwich, or ever ever been to a sandwich where, like, there's all the meat is in the middle, and you, you, you have all, like, mayonnaise and mustard on the outside, and you go by in the sandwich, all you get is, like, bread and mustard and mayonnaise, and there's, like, no, man, it's, like, the nastiest thing. Or sometimes you might just come to the end of the sandwich, and there's, like, meat hanging off, and all you get is, like, salami on the end, right? It's like, well, that'd be great. But there's that perfect part in the middle of that sandwich where you bite into the bread, the lettuce, tomatoes, salami, mustard, everything just kind of hits right. Well, I like to think, right, God knows in our life when to give us that perfect balance of everything so that we can properly live for him. And he doesn't give us too much of one thing at one time. He doesn't give us too many blessings so that we're so secure that we don't ask for his help. Then at the same time, he doesn't give us for so many trials so that we never, that we keep getting pushed, pushed, pushed further and further and further away from Him. That we just go, you know what? If this is, if all I'm going to have in life is just terrible, terrible trials, I don't want any anything of it. He knows that perfect balance and that perfect uh, area in our lives that we need for that time. Again, He knows the perfect amount of blessings to give us: hardships, trials, victories, tribulations, and that's really part of the uh, the Christian life, right? Going through various things and and knowing, all right. God's doing this for this specific reason. And I've really tried, and again, I have still so much more work and effort to go through, but try and look at these times and these roads and these different uh, areas in my life where I'm taking down a, a dark path, and, it, it, and, it, and I've been there and I'm kind of there now where it seems like, Lord, I've been following you the best of my ability, and it feels like all you've done is lead me into a dead end. Right? I don't know if you guys have ever been, ever been there. I've been there. And it's like, you really look at yourself, and you're like, Lord, I've been walking down this path. i followed you to a T. I did this. When you said a jump, I said how high. I did this. I served, and I, I did all these things. And it feels like, for whatever reason, it was really bright when I was first started following you, and now it's getting a little darker. I don't know what's going on here. And what I can say from my life, why God allows us to do that, yes, it is to wake us up, but it also, it's so we can learn to lean into trust on him. Because in those dark times, right, if you were to walk into a dark cave or a dark alley or something like that, and you can't see real well, it, you really have to trust in the Lord. I, uh, I like to, I, I run a little bit, and, and there are different things. There's an area of street I'll run by this, um, by the airport, uh, Sikorsky Airport in Stratford, and during the winter, it's really dark over there. You, you come down Main Street, and it's really bright and everything. And I come to this bend, and it's like pitch black. There and there's like the marsh over there, and there's the water and everything, and it's so dark. And you go, and it's really terrifying because I don't know. if There's an animal out there that's going to come. I mean, you can't see anything. I could barely see maybe maybe I could see ten feet. And I was like, Lord, I really don't want to keep running through here. And even that he used as a teaching point to me to say, "Hey, look. I may be leading you out of the the light of what you think is possible and it may be seem like you're le- I'm leading you into a ditch. I'm leading you into a, a dead end. But just know, if there's a dead end, I can make a way through you. It, it doesn't matter how dark it is." But he'll do that so we can learn to trust on him. And I've learned too. A lot of times I'll say, "Well, Lord, I I have so much faith. You know, there's no more I can have ever you know, I can ever have any more faith." This is the the best faith I'm ever going to have in my life. And I don't know why I think that, because there's always more you can learn. There's always more faith you can have. Right? There's always more. You can always trust God a little bit more. And it's at those times that God brings us down these dark pathways and these dark alleys that we really learn to trust him. Because, again, if there's no difficulties, then why would I ever have to trust in God? If there's no row that's going to you know, wake me up, that's going to say, hey, Kyle, you're just kind of coasting through your Christian life. You really need to be waking up. This is going to happen to wake you up. Um, and God knows exactly what that is to send your way. For some people, it's finances. For some people, it's health. For some people, maybe it's, you know, just... <laughs> I remember when I was in Bible college, it was maybe a bad grade. I had studied all night, and I'm like, Lord, I'm doing this best of my ability, and for some reason, I just it just didn't happen that day, and I failed it, right? Whatever it is, whatever you're going through in life, God knows exactly... What to give you, to get you to trust him more, and to get him, get you to love him just a little bit more. And that uh, brings us here to one of the most important ro- roads in the uh, entire Bible here, and this is uh, the road to, Gal- to Galgotha, and this is really to help us overcome. If you look at John uh, chapter 19, verse 15 through 18, the Bible says this. And this is right in the middle of the, um, the crucifixion here, what Jesus is going through. The Bible says this. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Galgatha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Putting this together, I see that Jesus faced the most difficult road in all of human history. He bare a cross, he walked up a hill, bearing my sin, my shame, my guilt, all so that I can live a better life, so I can have eternal life. And I always, I, I, really lately, I've been saying to the Lord, like, that is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in, in such a good way. Because every time I fail, and, you know, the days that I don't pray, and days when I don't read my Bible, and days when I just, I flat out, I, I sin, and I'm like, my life is such a mess. Why would Christ, a perfect God, travel this road of a man, to die the death of a murderer, all to set me, a sinner, free? Like, why, how does that even equate? How does that make sense at all? And I, I've been saying this to God, uh, for sorry, to Christ, for such really recently. I've been saying, I will never know why you loved me enough to die for me, but you did. And every time I mess up, and every time I I fail, I go, Lord. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing good about me. There's nothing in my life that says, hey, like you should be you should serve me. I should be up here preaching. I should be a deacon. Right? I don't think there's anything in my life that God would look at me and say, Hey Kyle, I'm gonna choose you to do that. I'm gonna choose you to go about Bible college. I'm gonna choose you to, to preach my word, right? Like you're gonna be that guy. And it's like I don't know why at all. And the only thing I can think of is because it's God's grace, right? He has these ways about him. And then I look at the cross and I think, not just me up here serving him, but God died on the cross so that I can have a home in heaven someday. And you start to think about that. And you think about your sin life. You think about the times where you ignore God in your life, where you're going through a valley. Instead of looking at it as an opportunity, you look at it as a terrible thing that's happened to you in life. Instead of looking at it as a stepping stool, a stone, you look at it as you know, a boulder on your back that's weighing you down. And it's in those times I go, Lord, I'm sure you, you had a reason for this and, and, you, and you're out of it and you're like, okay, I learned this and all these things, but I, why would you still love me even though I was upset at you, I didn't want to talk to you, I didn't want anything to do with you. You, know, you knew that was going to happen when you died on the cross and yet you still died for me anyway. You knew that I was going to fail you. You knew that I was going to be away from you. You knew that this was going to happen in my life and I was going to do this and I, and just one thing after another. I wasn't going to be the best Christian at this certain time, and I wasn't going to be able to do this, and yet, you still carry my cross to Calvary, right? You still were able to take that rough road for me so that I wouldn't have to. And I, there's nothing I could ever do to, to say, hey, thank you. And the one thing I've tried to do in my life is that there's, I, I know there's nothing I could ever say to God, right? To say, thank, to say, hey, thank you so much for dying on the cross. There's nothing I could ever possibly say to equate that, and so I've just try to live my life in a way that says one big thank you to Christ right try to live my way my life in such a way that his um, sacrifice on the cro- on the cross wasn 't for waste, like yeah, sure i 'm saved, but my Christian life could be a waste right I, just, I could just live my life and however I want well, i 'm going to heaven whatever, but at the end of the day that 's making christ's life uh, or his death on the cross uh, just in, in vain because how you know how dare I take all right I take this get-out-of-jail-free you know, get card, but then I just don't do anything with it. And I think about that, uh, how, how many times that, maybe I haven't said that to God, hey, thanks for the fire insurance, oh, thank you, I'm not going to hell. I may have not said that to him, but through my actions I've said, I'm okay with not serving you today, because you know, I've served you for, for you know, a couple of years now, so I, I, you know, I, I owe, my, owe it to myself to take a week off of talking to you. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to you know, completely ignore you, I'm just going to self-indulge in sin. And in those times where I think that, I go, Lord, how could you love me through that? If someone did that to me, there's no way I could, I don't think I could be able to love them through that. If someone, if I had died for someone, you know, took a bullet and somehow I lived or something like that for somebody, and I were to check up on him and say, hey, you know, so-and-so, hey, Bob, how are you doing? And I took a bullet for you. Are you doing okay? And he would just ignore me. You know, he wouldn't, he would just not read my text message, not read my call. If I went to his house, he wouldn't answer the door. I would feel so... Disheartened, I'd say, man, I, I jumped in front of a bullet for you and you don't even want anything to do with me. And then, right, a month goes by and he, he picks up the phone and calls me. and he says, hey, Kyle, like, nothing ever happened. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? Oh, thank you so much for, for you know jumping in front of a bullet for me. That, that was awesome. You know, that sounds like, oh, it's like, this is a kind of funny illustration, but it, we do the same thing to Christ all the time. We live how we want to live and when things get harder... Or maybe something changes in our life and we go, you know what, I want to talk to Christ again and thank him for dying on the cross for me. I don't know how he loves us through that. I don't know how he goes, all right, I'm going to take you back just as quickly as I died on the cross for you. And That to me is just one of the most amazing, prolific things that I have ever ever heard in my uh, entire life. And I think about this too. And you think about this rough road that Jesus went down and what, and what he had gone on and traveled on. And think about how Jesus said, I don't want to travel that rough road for Kyle. I wouldn't be here. And for everyone else, right? Listening us YouTube in this room. Imagine if Christ had said, had called those legions of angels to set him free. Imagine if he was like, that's a rough road I'm going to travel. And you know what? I don't really feel like going down that. I don't want to be separated from the Father. Think about where our lives would be. I don't know what this world would be like had that happened. Because he wasn't made to go to the cross. He free-willingly went to the cross a lot of times we get that mixed up. Maybe we don't say that. We think that like it was Christ's duty to go to the cross. Like he that was, you know, he was supposed to do that for us. And he wasn't supposed to do that for us. That wasn't in God's original plan. Now it was his plan for us, right, after the fall and all that. But it's not like, all right, that was Christ's duty. That was his honorable thing to do, to go and die for us. He didn't have to do that. He willingly chose to do that for us. He chose to travel down this difficult. Very difficult and rough road. And I would say to people watching online, you know, if you don't know who Christ is and you, you don't know where you're going when, when you die, what's stopping you from coming to him? You know, Christ did that rough road for the Christian and he did that rough road so much more for the person who doesn't want anything to do with him. He walked this rough road so that it would be easy for you to come to him. He did that hard work so that everyone would have an equal opportunity at getting to Christ at that chance of salvation. And I'll say this. There is nothing better than what Christ did for us. And you start to think about, right, like I said before, there was a rough road to Calvary, to Agatha, that Christ did for us. This rough road that he did for everyone here. And you think, how come... How could I be better than Christ to not deal with these rough roads and these different times on my own? How could I, you know, what's, what's the, you know, like, I'm clearly not better than Christ in any way, shape, or form. So he was, he died for all of everyone's sins, past, present, and future when he died on the cross. And he traveled that rough road for all of us. So why am I any better than him to never travel a difficult road? To never, tra- never travel a rough terrain, right? If every single path and every single uh, direction that I travel in my life. If it was all a terrible road, it would still be okay because I didn't have to bear the sins of every single person. I didn't, have, I didn't, you know, die a cruel death on a cross. I didn't have to do that. Christ did that for me, and so I know. And I would never say, "Oh, I'm better than Christ." But a lot of times, when we ask God to prevent trials from happening to us, we act as if, all right, Christ did this great thing for me, but Maybe I, you know, our actions say, maybe I am a little better than him because I don't want to have to deal with pains in my life. I don't want to have to deal with these different things in my life. And again, we would never say that. It almost sounds you know, forward-line blasphemous for me to say, oh, I'm better than Christ. But a lot of times in our actions, and the way we talk to God, we say, well, don't let that happen to me. When Christ was so willing to do so much for us, he was willing to not just you know, die for us, but think about everything that he did on earth. All the miracles he performed, all the in the hatred that he faced going through there, he did he has served an earthly ministry and then also dealt with that the mental toll of that the physical toll of that and he the spiritual toll of all of that and then proceeded to die on the cross for us a lot of times we don't think about that that you know christ didn't just die on the cross he had an earthly ministry he did so much so 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 much for us and how how could I ever think that i'm better for him to not face trials in my own life? How could I ever think that these things aren't going to happen to me because they happened to Christ, right? The first passage that we read, uh, we said that Christ was—he was, he was uh, tired. He was weary on his journey. Back in uh, John chapter four, he was weary. And if Jesus was weary on his journey, I think it's okay if I'm a little weary on my journey. Um, and that—I mean—that was—if <laughs> Christ is feeling that way, how much more am I going to feel that way, right? And the great thing about that is we have Christ to carry us along with us, right? All these different roads in life and all these different things that we're traveling on, we're not going it alone. That's probably the most important thing for us to realize and for us to say is that no matter what road I go down, no matter where I'm at in life or what I'm doing, Christ is there with me and he's going to help me bear this trial. He's going to help me. He's going to be there alongside me. Um, and a lot of times, I'll be praying sometimes, and I'll say, Lord, i be going through a trial, and I'm no, I'll, I'll know he's spiritually with me, right? But I'll, be, I'll say, man, I wish you were physically with me right here, right? And that would be so cool just to hug you. That would be so cool just to you know, have you pat my back and say, Kyle, I know it's a, it's a tough thing you're going through right now, or this is difficult what you're going through, but I'm right here next to you. And I really believe that he is here here spiritually next to me, Right? It would be so cool to, uh, to see him physically, or to see him next to me and say, don't come worry, Kyle. Like, you're not going this alone. You don't, you're not bearing this cross by yourself. You're going through this uh, path in life. And I brought you down it to help somebody else out, to wake you up because you're in sin, to do this and to do that. And I'll, I'll say this in uh, conclusion here. God really is willing to take us down these rough roads so we can help other people out. We can help our own selves out with the testimony that we're going to have and to help wake us up. And yet, he even loves us in those times where we're in sin and we take these roads and we take these detours and we're away from God. He still loves us through that. I think that's the cra- that to me um, really does baffle me that he keeps loving, loving, loving over and over and over again. And la- and right, lastly, he took that road to, to Golgotha to help us overcome. And he is just so in love with us that he would die for us in that way. And I think about these rough roads, I think about these difficult times, and I think about these terrible ways, but God is there with me the entire time. And if Christ could overcome the, cr- overcome the cross, he could overcome death, he can overcome so much, then what's stopping me from overcoming this trial? You know, no matter how bad my life may seem, it, was, it will never be as bad as what Christ did for me on the cross. It never will be that bad. And I have to keep reminding myself of that and reminding myself of the sacrifice that he made for me.